Welcome to News in Focus, where we offer our insights into the global stories that matter. It's half a century since the launch of Apollo 11, the spacecraft that put the first man on the moon. Between 1969 and 1972, the moon had 12 human visitors, but since then, no one. Now, however, there's a new push to go back to our near neighbour and on from there to our rather more distant neighbour, Mars. Donald Trump wants to speed things up and has challenged the US space agency NASA to complete its mission within five years. So unexpectedly, the Trump administration set a really tight deadline for NASA to put an astronaut back on the moon. It's 2024, and it was announced by Mike Pence, the vice president, backed by Donald Trump in March. But until then, NASA had really been thinking of a timeline of 2028. And so what you've got is a strange process now where NASA is committed and has no real choice about trying to put someone on the moon, a woman on the moon by 2024. But all of the infrastructure it was really working towards to make sustainable uh, human presence on the moon or potentially even Mars, that won't even start to come on until 2028, really. So they're kind of rushing to a tight deadline while having these longer term plans also in the pipeline. I mean, Donald Trump's goal seems to be to have some kind of spectacular achievement that makes his presidency look good. The 2024 deadline would be while he's in his second term if he wins re-election. The scientific goal, and indeed the administration's goal, is slightly broader. But I think the key thing with these missions is they're always very political. I mean, the science can be done if the funding can be found, and the funding can only be found if you satisfy certain political objectives. That was Henry Mance, our chief features writer, who has looked into the political priorities behind the Artemis programme, as it's now called. Just as no woman has ever been to the moon before, the US is the only country to have undertaken a manned mission. But this time it's a more diverse affair, as Clive Cookson, our science editor, explains. It's called Artemis because she was the twin sister of Apollo, after whom the original lunar programme was named. And they are explicitly saying that they're going to put the first woman on the moon this time. So it's going to be diverse in that sense. It's also going to be diverse in a geographical or international sense, because although the Apollo program was racing the Soviets to the moon, in fact, the Soviet space program wasn't nearly as advanced as the Americans thought. So the first program really was all American. This time, Artemis is predominantly American, but their crew vessel called Orion is being developed in collaboration with the European Space Agency. And beyond that, we have a whole plethora of nations, China in particular, India, Japan, wishing to send probes and perhaps eventually, particularly in the Chinese case, people to the moon. Launch vehicles carrying the AA-2 launch abort system for a full express test. NASA has just completed a test of the Orion spacecraft's escape system, the last flight test for the Orion program before an unpiloted mission to lunar orbit next year. 
But all has not been plain sailing. There have been development woes with the Space Launch System, or ROCKET, and a management shake-up, just as NASA is trying to sell its lunar programme to Congress. NASA's estimates it will need an extra four to six billion dollars a year for the next five years. And so far, the Trump administration has only proposed 1.6 billion extra. So it's a very small sort of down payment to start with. But even that has been held up by Congress because the Trump administration has tried to pay for it by cutting college grants for low income students. And Democrats have said that's not acceptable. You know, if we want to build a country that excels in space exploration, you can't just hit the life chances of another generation of scientists. So I think there are real questions about whether the 2024 deadline will be hit. A lot of people I spoke to are very, very sceptical about it. And whether the money can come through. I mean, it's an incredibly divided Congress. And the way that Kennedy was able to do it in the 60s was partly to use Lyndon Johnson to grapple with senators and force them to vote in favour of the huge funding. And it was up to 5% nearly of the federal budget at one point. The original moon landings were motivated by rivalry between the two superpowers during the Cold War, as Clive mentioned, but they reaped huge benefits to the scientific community. So what are the scientific aims of the venture, and how do these goals compare to those of the Apollo missions? The primary goal of the Apollo mission was really a sense of adventure, of exploration. It was above all a technology-driven mission rather than a scientific mission. But it did deliver huge scientific benefits, of course, by bringing back samples of lunar soil and rocks. We have a better idea of the geology of the moon. It's also had an indirect effect, which I think was very important scientifically, which was inspiring a whole generation of young people, particularly in America but around the world, to go into science and engineering and It really spurred environmental science because seeing Earth from the moon really showed our vulnerability on this pale blue marble. This time, if there's a successful return to the moon, I'm sure it will inspire a new generation of young people. It may also give a new environmental impetus, though that's hardly needed given what we know about the climate emergency here on Earth. But more specifically, there's a lot still to learn about the geology of the moon, about how the planet formed. And if the moon is used as a staging post to go further out into the solar system, that opens up a huge new solar system of scientific possibilities. Another difference this time is that there will be significant business involvement. Private companies are working to slash the cost of rocket launches with a longer-term ambition of doing their own projects on the Moon and eventually Mars, as Henry explains. So there are companies that stand to make billions of dollars from NASA's plans. Boeing is one which is building this huge rocket for NASA. Lockheed Martin is another. And then you have entrepreneurs like Elon Musk with his SpaceX, Jeff Bezos with Blue Origin... And they've sort of set out their own plans. A lot of them hinge effectively on NASA funding, that they want NASA contracts in the long term to be able to make space exploration, perhaps travel to Mars, feasible. However, they also have other plans, space tourism, etc. But I think there's a feeling that the energy around a lunar mission could help generate other businesses. There's also a, a fear that it's a distraction. If you want to go to Mars, then having this political staging point of the moon can complicate that in some ways. So, 
Will all the conflicting interests and political pressures help or hinder the project? I think the conflicting priorities are definitely going to be an issue and they could also change. I mean, if Donald Trump is voted out of office next year, then who knows where the lunar mission will be. And Democratic presidents have recently been much less keen on these kind of projects. Obama effectively tried to kill it. However, there is a kind of impetus as well. You know, China is interested in putting someone on the moon. We don't know the precise timescale. You had an Israeli private company which tried to put a lander on the moon this year unsuccessfully. And there is a feeling that space is a frontier again and it's worthwhile going back there and we can go back there. You have these sceptics who say we should be focusing on climate change, we should be focusing on problems closer to home. But I think the dreaminess has returned to the sector and the question is which parts of the dream become reality. It's not clear that 2024 and putting a woman on the moon will be one of them. Clive, what do you think? Well, I'll be amazed if an American gets to the moon in 2024 though I'd probably have said that in 1961 when Kennedy set off the Apollo project. I think we will have humans back on the moon before the 2020s are out. And I very much hope that this time it'll be a longer-term project that will lead possibly to a permanent human colony on the moon rather than the sort of hit-and-run Apollo model. We shall see. Thanks to Clive and Henry, and thanks for listening. Don't forget, if you missed our recent episodes on workplace stress, whether the Iran nuclear deal can be saved, or Greece's new government, you can find them all on the usual podcast platforms. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.